Welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have a very special guest. He is a Pepperdine Law graduate and currently works as the chairman of Attorney Share, chairman of Justice HQ, and as a trial lawyer at the Simon Law Group. He's held past positions as the owner of the law offices of Robert Simon and as an attorney at Ladera, Nojima, Tagliaferro, and Lopresti. Absolutely ecstatic to have him on the podcast today. Mr. Robert Simon, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? I'm doing well to quite well, my friend. Another sunny day in California. So. And, it's, and it's, it's very cold here in Albany. So <laughs> I, I, I love to hear that it's sunny and you're enjoying it because I unfortunately don't get the sun and the warmth myself. But Robert, before you get started, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, I think you did a pretty good intro. This is Robert Simon. You call me Bob at Plant Fun Bob on Instagram. And uh, yeah, as you said, trial lawyer many, many times over, but now I'm more into like building companies and trying to change the world. So there we go and have fun doing it. I absolutely love to hear that. Now, before we get started, I just want to say to the audience this one hits home for Nate here. Uh, I've been a follower of Robert for about two years. I was talking about this point in my life when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for for law school. And I went on YouTube, I typed in lawyer podcast. And the first one that came up was Justice Team podcast, Robert Simon's own podcast. I watched a ton of his videos. I've been a fan forever. And now he's here in front of me on my podcast. It is such a full circle moment right now. And I'm just absolutely loving it. So... Let's go back to the wonderful year of 2002. I was negative one years old. (laughs) You were graduating from George Washington University. And you eventually went to the beautiful Pepperdine Law School. I love Pepperdine very much. My brother always talks about when he was getting recruited for basketball, he sent an email to Pepperdine every three three weeks because he wanted to see if they... Unfortunately, he didn't. He went to Assumption College in Massachusetts. But... Oh, I love it. It's right on the beach. They have a beautiful stadium. So what went into deciding to go to law school? What were the factors? Why'd you do it? Well, you know, funny aside, so when I went to Pepperdine, we used to, I used to play basketball um, a lot at, the, at that gym. But we always, Adam Sandler lives nearby, so he would come by with his boys. And it's all the guys that you would think he'd be rolling with, all the guys that are in all of his movies. And I was always matched up with Adam. So it was like, we'd do three on three. And I remember one time um, we were playing on the outside court. And people were touring Pepperdine and it was me, a couple of my buddies and we were playing three on three and it was him and two other guys in his movies. And like these people are watching like, is that Adam Sandler just playing basketball and hanging out? Like, yeah, dude, welcome to Malibu. Um, no, but the reason I chose uh, Pepperdine is because, I mean, it's beautiful. I'm not a big humidity guy. I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh and I went to D.C. and, you know, I said, I want to try something a little different. Um I, I think it was the first time or second time I ever rode a plane was to go look at the law school. And when I landed, and I got here, I was like, you know, holy shit, this is, this is where I want to go. Um, but I tell people this all the time. I coach a lot of young lawyers. That's why I started doing the podcast. Um, go to law school where you want to live in practice because you're building relationships, you're creating bonds and you don't want to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, people that go, oh, I want to go to NYU. And then they want to go live back in LA. And I say, well, what, what, what did you do during law school to help equip you for, uh, for the practice of law. Um, but the reason I chose it was I wanted to live in Southern California. So I wanted to building roots there. I didn't have any, you know, friends or family out here at the time. And I had to use law school to lay those roots. Um, 
I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I always knew I wanted to be a trial lawyer and hopefully eventually a politician. But that dream is kind of going to the aside just because it's too, it's too polarizing and don't want to put my family through that shit. But yeah, man, I'm always want to be a trial lawyer. And I would tell people, get into any law school that'll give you money. You don't need the debt. I mean, it's all about who you know, not what you know, but get into any law school and create, create relationships. Absolutely. That That's definitely been a, an enormous theme highlighted on this podcast in the past. When deciding to go to law school, money is always the top factor. I always say, my mother always tells me, money is not grown on trees, unfortunately. So, you know, you always got to keep that in mind when you're choosing law schools, you know, make sure that you're getting a, a you know, sufficient amount of money. And regardless of what law school it is, if they give you a lot, it's the, it's the move to make. Yeah. And look, man, I didn't, my dad was a truck driver. I was one of five, like he had to take out union loans to get us into, you know, through college and work in three jobs. So it's not like, you know, I had a trust fund that was putting me through that people, if you think about what's a better investment of you, it's, it's, it's investing in law school and the education. I do think law school should be free. I think it should be more of a trade school and preparing you for the bar, but I'll get off my soapbox for that one. Just tell everybody, don't be afraid. It's I've learned more in law school than I did the first semester, then four years of college and made my, like my best friends and caught in law school. So yeah, do it, do it. Absolutely. So let's go to that first year of law school. People always say it's the most intense. It's traumatic. Was it like that for you? What was your experience? I actually loved it. And it's like, they make you sign this agreement where you can't work or do anything else during your first year at Pepperdine. Um, and it was the first time in my life I wasn't either playing a sport or working a job or two while going to school, right? Even since I was a teenager. So it was all about time management. So for me, it was like easy. It was like I'd wake up, I'd get up early, go to the gym, study, run, come home, shower, study, go to class. And then I would be done at like seven or eight every night. I just, that was my shot off time. We'd watch basketball, whatever was on. And then, um, and then rinse and repeat. So I was very dedicated with my time. And that's just stay ahead of it. Like, don't get behind on your assignments, get outlines from the people, the years above you, make group friends, relationships. Um, I actually, I mean, I loved it. And I was one of the, me and like three other people, so this 2002, were the only people that were writers. So I didn't have a computer yet. I couldn't afford one. So I would literally have my notebook. So I'd write. So I handwrote all the exams. I even handwrote the bar, um, which is crazy now that I think about it. But yeah, that was. <laughs> 20 fucking years ago jesus <laughs> uh, uh, and and something you just said that you talked about exercise exercise is a huge component of my life i call the gym my church i go there you know i pray uh and i love it so much it's so important to me and to hear it from you you know sort of echo that sort of sentiment as well is very important to me and very important to everyone else listening because i think the you know the sort of I, I don't want to say the turn of my career, but one of the, the big points I always think about in my life that felt like a big turning point was walking into the gym with my brother that first day. And the rest was history. I go every single day. I love it so much. I always recommend the sauna. The sauna is amazing. Uh, but moving on from that point, you always knew you wanted to be a trial lawyer. And I think that's very interesting because I think a lot of people don't really know what they want to do when they get into law school. I particularly don't. That I mean, that's the reason I started this podcast. I was very uncertain if I wanted to go to law school or not. And I said, well, you know, why the hell not start a podcast about it and, and see if I can <laughs> so You started a podcast to learn. That's pretty cool. <laughs> 
Listen, I, I I had I had some free time on my hands, so I was like, "What? Why not do that?" But what what would sort of be your message to those people that don't really know what they want to do in law school or going forward in their career? I mean, just identify what you, I mean, what you're passionate about and build around it. I think, you know, if you're practicing law, it opens up so many other doors to do whatever, you know, whatever, you know, I knew a lot of people that I went to law school with that are now in Congress, right? I know people that I went to law school with that are running major real estate companies. I know people that are building technology, like most of my days doing, um, you know, building attorney share in our tech platforms now, but it, it just opens all these different doors. Um, I would tell everybody just, going with an open mind. Like I knew that I wanted to represent injured folk that I knew that's what I wanted to do, but not a lot of people were like that. Some people walk in and say, I want to be an entertainment lawyer. I want to be a sports agent. Go find people that do those. Just reach out like you did DM people, like people will be free with their time and be open, open with you and, and talk to what that career really looks like. Because what people think is a sports agent, entertainment law is just reviewing contracts all day. And when people find that out, it's like, this is not what I thought it was. This isn't glitz and glamour. Um, but yeah, just find a, I think mentorship is super important. It's very easy on social media to stay to find good mentors and just listen to them and, and talk to them and figure out what it's really like. Um, and then kind of mold your, your life that way that you want it to be. That's an absolutely amazing point. I could not agree anymore, just like myself. And I reached out to you. I definitely learned and, and definitely become the person that's not scared to make a text or phone call, uh, and I just feel that's important for everyone to hear that because just like yourself and just like the rest of the people I've reached out to have been on the podcast, they're not afraid to talk to me. They want to talk to me, actually. They want to teach me. They want to be able to transfer that knowledge to me and be able to, you know, take it from for my own life and further for my career, which I just love so much. And just like you said, social media, the internet, I'm a huge fan of the internet. It's how I started this podcast. I typed into Google how to start a podcast and the rest was history from that. But you finished law school in 2005. You're paralegal at Steptoe in Johnson for about a year. Can you talk about that experience? How was that? Yeah, so I was actually um, Steptoe in Johnson. I was working at a big law firm when I was in DC. So when I was an undergrad, I was working as file clerk, paralegal, whatever they wanted to call it while I was in school. So I was working like probably 20 hours a week there, walking to and from class at George Washington. I was also refing. <laughs> I was refing basketball, flag football, I mean, everything. And then, shit, what was the other job? Oh, I was bouncing. So I was like a <laughs> um, a bouncer at the Lucky Bar um, in D.C. too. So those were the three three hats I was. Oh, and I was still I was also getting paid to be fraternity presidents because they would give us free rent and I was doing everything I could to like afford college. <laughs> so my brother and I joined a fraternity because if you were president and treasurer, they get free rent. So my brother and I had free rent while we were in school, which was cool. Um, no, but I was there and that's when I hated. I never that was the first and only time I ever did billable hours and it was terrible. I like I remember one summer I was literally just indexing oversized maps but point <laughs> one hour like down. They were just two insurance companies fighting about who was going to like pay for this remediation. It was terrible. Um, so I never, it was, in my professional life as a lawyer, I've never built it an hour in my life. Every single thing has been on contingency. Everything has been, you know, we only win if you do. And I like that vested interest. I like that aligned interest. Um, so I modeled my entire practice off. So after law school, during law school, right after my last final, after you, you can work again, the next day I started work and I was law clerk at uh, Letter and Ojima was a small boutique firm and I knew I wanted to do injury law and be a trial lawyer. And that's the best opportunity is go to a firm that you can swing where you can get in and get in the courtroom, get real experience where you were 
working from the bottom up. So, I mean, I was doing everything from client intake to making copies, to making copies, to making copies, to um, like doing lean negotiations, to doing every little thing. So I learned how to do every part of the case from beginning to finish, even trying the case in post-verdict. Um, so three years I was there and I knew I wanted to start my own firm at some point, but um, I went to the partners and I'm both good friends with them. And I was like, look, you know, I'm tried to, a couple of cases. I brought in like 30 or 40 cases. I've been hustling since I was in law school. And I was like, look, if you guys give me like 1% of like, I actually were like 2%, 1% or 2% of the cases I work on, aside from my bonuses of like, I was getting a third of the attorney's fees. One partner said yes, one said no, which means it was a no because they had to be unanimous. And I was like, well, then guys, I got to leave. And one guy was like, are you crazy? He's like, you made 250K last year. Like you made $250,000 as a third year lawyer. But it was all like my salary was 55 grand, but I supplemented it because I was bringing in cases. Um, and I left and, you know, I started my own firm and then brought my brother in. And, you know, 15 years later, 14 years later, we have 25 lawyers. We're in three states. We're in trial constantly. I'm actually... On my phone, we're waiting to get assigned to a judge and the banter is just hilarious while they're down in the courtroom putting out where we're going to start next week. Um, but yeah, man, it's always been fun to me. And I just, I'm never afraid. That's my camera, sorry. Never afraid to fail. Like, um, I always said, like, when I started my firm, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I go back eating, you know, tuna and ramen noodles and I go work <laughs> another firm. Like, you still have a skill set as a lawyer. People will hire you tomorrow, you know? So... Yeah, but it all worked out, worked out well. Um, and I think this is this is the learning lesson for lawyers, especially now. We were talking about this off air, but it's so much less expensive now and easier to start your law firm and work for yourself with the mentorship path and with all the resources that are out there and the overhead cost savers. You know, I'm big in technology and AI and use for law firms. Um, spoke to the defense bar about this yesterday and how people can be more efficient, how attorneys that are your younger generation understand technology can leverage it, cut down costs. Uh, be more nimble and work for themselves. So don't be afraid of those those large loans that you're you're carrying. I always tell um, lawyers to pursue your passion first and then you can make money around it because most states you can make referral fees as a lawyer. So if you're generating revenue and referring it to friends and other practice areas in other states, you can make a lot of money just by referring cases and co-counseling. Um, a lot of people forget that. So I know some of the, the lawyers I do a lot of work with are immigration lawyers that they're literally doing God's work. I mean, they're at the border helping people every single day, but it doesn't pay well. Sometimes, most times they're not getting any pay. So what I've showed them is how to, you know, market their community to get, you know, injury cases or mass tort cases and find the best lawyers. And they, they put it through a product called attorney share and it tracks their fees for them, does the fee share agreement. So they're making way more money by referring cases and co-counseling so they can pursue their passion. Right. So start there. Don't, I mean, I got offered a big law job. It was like 150K a year, which is, and that was crazy money. But I took a job that paid 55K a year and I got a third of what I brought in and it was the best decision I ever made. And I didn't think twice about it. I mean, absolutely amazing points all, all over the board. I mean, we're only a couple minutes in, but this episode is already, <laughs> already dripping Anger. with wisdom. Yeah. Absolutely dripping with wisdom. It, it is amazing. Now, I want to ask, uh, starting your own law firm. I, I, in past episodes, I've asked people about this, and it seems to open up a, a Pandora's box of of the sort of struggle going into that. What was sort of that experience for you in opening your own law firm? I mean, the only experience was just the unknown. And when I did it, I didn't have a strong group around me to like bounce ideas off of. Um, 
and that was kind of like a, you know, feeling lost or not having the ability to walk down the hall, talk to somebody and figure out what's really going on. Right. Um, you know, now that's why I started the company Justice HQ to have that resource for people, whether you're a big firm, you're a solo, whatever you are, it's their support system, virtually and in person, whatever you need. But that was the biggest struggle that I had is just not knowing the business side of stuff and being able to ask questions. Now it's a lot easier to find mentors to be able to do it. But, you know, I didn't know back then that you could like finance your costs. I didn't know about lines of credit. I didn't know about all these things. So we literally were taking every dime you made and put it back into the firm. Um, you know, there's a few years where like we didn't make any money because we're putting back into the firm. Um but you're going to have that struggle. And I think it takes, if you're especially in the contingency fee world, it takes a while for cases to pay out. It's not like we were getting, you know, retainer fees to keep the lights on. You had to predict the next 18, two year, 18 months, two years. Um, so I think the biggest, the biggest struggle was that the unknown on the business side of stuff. And there's a lot of resources out there that weren't available back then that help people do that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, I tell lawyers all the time, when you start your firm, you have to think about where you want to be, where you personally want to be within your firm structure five to 10 years from now and build accordingly. A lot of people get lost in trying to wear every single hat at their firm. And yeah, at the beginning, you got to do all that. But then you have to start, once you get more money, hire somebody to do the stuff that you don't want to do or you're not good at. So it eventually puts you to where you want to be. I just wanted to try cases and bring in cases and do business development. And now that's all I do with the firm. That's it. Uh, but it, I had to build around that. So um, the biggest mistake I made is I tried to do everything myself the first year. I tried, like I tried all the cases. I tried three or four cases that first year, tried to do running the business and doing everything. And it literally put a hole in my stomach. Like I had an ulcer from the stress because I'd have to come home, run the office after trying a case. That's when I brought in my twin brother, hired some other people so that when I was in trial, we had the support system back at the office. And that's how we grew. Yeah, that, that's that's a that's a really amazing story. I love the raw honesty of it. And, and I appreciate the raw honesty as well, because it shows that, you know, at the end of the day, you, you truly, it looks like you really do live by your mantra, or mantra, sorry, mantra of, you know, not being afraid to fail, and just going out there, kind of put throwing it at the wall and hoping that it sticks. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. I feel like I'm doing that myself here. Uh, you know, see, uh, the unknown is, is very. Uh, I'm a philosophy major, so it's like I I can't I can't not I have to let the philosophy out a little bit. Uh, but you know, in, in all the books that I've ever read, that is a, such a big thing of you know navigating the unknown and and being able to just stick to your foundations and and sort of just figure it out and even if you do fail i i know i was i was listening to a podcast of tim ferris i don't know if you if you know him oh. but um he he's a huge inspiration of mine and and he sort of talked about that uh he he's like he calls himself the human guinea pig but he he used to sleep on the floor all the time and he'd like not eat for days just to sort of be able to go back to to that sort of foundational grounding of like you know no matter what happens i know i'll be here and and you know i'll be able to endure it but going back or, or not going back but now talking about justice hq you started it in 2019 you got 10,000 subscribers i'm a big fan i'm a subscriber myself do you have do you have a name for your fans? I have to ask. I don't have any fans. I don't know. Only fans? <laughs> nah, I don't have any names. Um, no, but we so we started. Um, well, the subscribe the subscribers different it's like the newsletter and all the other stuff. But we had when I started Just HQ, it was just on a vision of creating this like 
alliance of lawyers. They were invite only. You have to be approved to get in. The best of the best lawyers. We have a no creek, no crooks, no creeps theme. And the idea was let's put everybody under the same like platform, align their interests, make everything sharing, put out mentorship. Um, and we give office space solutions so everybody could just be virtual, come in when they need to. So it was like the WeWork meets Soho House on a technology platform. So we started with 30 people, didn't have any space yet, didn't have the tech. And, you know, people were paying 1500 bucks a month to have this network, right? So when we opened the first space, March of 2020, right beginning of COVID, people were like, oh my God, you're going to fail miserably because it's a co-working space during COVID. And we were like, uh-uh. And then we... <laughs> First year, we ended up quadrupling our membership because we had all the support system you needed to virtually run your firm and have the camaraderie and people not feeling alone. And now fast forward to today, I think we have, I think, 300 firms that are on there in California and we're expanding nationally um, starting next month. So the idea is we're going to have the best lawyers in these mastermind think tanks, support system at Justice HQ. And then we're in the beta of attorney share of software, which will be live next week. Uh, well, two weeks, it's a um, case marketplace. So now we want to be able to get all those high quality individual lawyers. The case is faster. So all these billboard lawyers and people with case aggregators can find their referral partner, co-counsel very easily. It'll track the fee for them, push data back and forth. So the consumer can find the best lawyer for that case and everybody wins. If you're working on a contingency fee, you want to find the best person to to maximize the result for everyone. Um so that's the vision. That's what I said. We're literally trying to change the world. As I do think that I used to, you know, represent one client at a time and do the best for them. And then by mentoring all these lawyers, you could do that on a scale. And then if you build up the technology and help more lawyers on a scale, that's how you that's how you change the world. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I I have to say, well, first of all, congratulations on on the the, the beta coming out of attorney share. I, I know that's big stuff, and and you probably feel amazing about that. I feel amazing about that now. You you you've got me tuned into this, uh, and you know I, I think it's and I I appreciate so much, and I have to thank you for all that you do for giving back and and sort of teaching people and mentoring people because I think it's an amazing thing. Uh, you truly are, you know, at one person, one person at a time, you change the world and, and the sort of systems that you've created for people in order to do that is just, it's just amazing. I, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away right now. Uh, and so talking, talking about attorney share, cause I'm interested now, uh, what, what sort of, and you know, with, with, with the, with the, uh, emergence of AI, how is that sort of being integrated in, into attorney share that you're building right now? So with, um, I mean, I could show it to you too, if you, if you want, I don't know. If, yeah. You can probably, can you see the recording on here? Yeah, I could see that. Um, not for the people who are listening. Ah, it's not. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a true market. So if you, um, so it's like a marketplace. If you are on one end of the market, it, put it this way, I'll get a text, an auto push that says, Hey, somebody posted a case that, Either they privately invited you to because they want you to take a look at it, or they send it to the, the public, all the lawyers that are, have a profile on there. It's like, hey, there's a product liability case, or there's one that somebody pushed today. It was like a dog bite case, and they wanted a 20% referral. We said, show us the referral fee that they want, facts of the case. You can ask questions with the chat. Um, if you if they agree to work with you, it's it's all free free choice. They will agree on their fee percentage. They will then give information on the client and anything else that they need. 
it'll then do their their feature agreement will be stored within the platform and on their dashboard they'll be able to see all the deals that they have either sent in or sent out and the status of those cases um that's it on a big picture so it allows me who i don't do any direct to consumer marketing it's all i mean i do i get all cases from other lawyers it's my whole business is right um we now have the ability to like if i wanted to go to new england i have some fantastic lawyers going to be part of it there i can do like a social media spend and and generate cases there and plug them in immediately to the best lawyer there to maximize everybody's result right so it allows i truly think it allows the lawyers that are really good at what they do not have to do the stuff they're not good at like marketing or i mean there's lawyers firms that are spending a million dollars a month on just advertising right most lawyers can't compete with that so why should you why don't we just incentivize them to get the best referral partner, the people that just are good litigators and trial lawyers, you should be able just to sit on here and pick up the best cases. That's the vision. Well, Mike, I mean, I um, <laughs> let let me know when the IPO is. I'll be sure to throw my own money. In there. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is crazy. This is super duper revolutionary. I feel as if it, it's a first of its kind. Is it? Is it not? And whenever in the tech world, like. Since I've been in this industry now, that every time they see it, they're like, how did this not exist yet in the legal space? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I just try to solve a problem that we have every day. Um, and, we, you know, I'm doing a lot of work. Like next week, I'm at the ABA Tech Show and sitting down with a lot of the other CEO founders of these companies. And because they integrate with a lot of what we do, we got to push data back and forth. And you're talking about the AI thing is um, actually this afternoon, the founder of a company called Even Up, and they've been, they're going to have over a billion dollar valuation this year. But the founder's a good friend of mine. And he's coming over because we do a lot of work together and we actually have an AI podcast that we have coming out to keep people educated on the AI. But what he's doing is they're understanding the value of cases based on artificial intelligence. So when a case comes in, they do a lot of demand letters and, and doing the medical records. So once you have all of that data, they can extract it and figure out what it has settled for, what verdicts have been in a similar region and similar skill sets. So I think in the next couple of years, what we'll do with the marketplace is when you come through, you can score it with somebody like even up at a company and see what what do you think the value metrics, metrics of it are and find the lawyers that actually had the best results on those cases. So it's not paying for an SEO badge. It's not paying for a billboard. It's just built on result metrics and that's it. So that is the complete vision. And it's it's a little complicated to build, but we have full-time engineers and a CTO and we're going. I'm speechless. I have to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, this, this is the cutting edge technology that the legal field clearly needs. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what the future holds with, with this sort of technology, especially AI, as it keeps advancing and advancing. You know, w w the possibilities are now endless. And in terms of what the big vision looks like for you, it, it can even change again. And it can even get it, it even bigger because because of AI and because of the advances in it. Uh, I'm a very big fan of AI. I've, I've been using ChatGBT since around senior year of high school. So it's it's been... Oh, well, it's well. been it's been a good four or five years. I think I was in like ChatGPT two maybe, uh, but you know I've been following along and and I still use it today. I use it for school all the time, and it's just I mean it's revolutionary. I've, I've, it's Google on steroids. <laughs> you know I started I made my own um, LLM AI built on me. <laughs> um, we're dropping it into the Slack channels for Justice HQ very soon because we've been testing it. But what I did is I. It's all data set is based on me. I got every single interview I've ever done, all my podcasts, all the bourbon and proof episodes, all the articles I've written, all my trial transcripts, all my deposition transcripts. 
cleanse them, put them into this. And it's good, man. Like it asks questions. It has my voice too. Cause <laughs> But we were doing, I was doing it yesterday live for these defense bar. And I asked them, like, I saw one of these defense lawyers I've tried cases against. And I was like, who's Bob Morgenstern? And it nailed it. Like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was really funny. Um, and you could teach it and stuff like that. But I think that's where it'll eventually go, where people have their own, like, you, like their, your own LLM based off of your specific data set, right? Like, you're at your law firm, you want to have the best answers. So, like, you, you could, you could download and get transcribed every single interview you've ever done. You don't have the, the Crespo creeper bot i don't know whatever <laughs> just asking any questions uh, I, I mean listen i'm gonna be looking into it now i'd love to have my own little chat bot uh, that, that'd be awesome i i'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna do it now i'll be honest just... well, okay. let's see if i could do this live so i'm gonna ask it what if i wanted to give me some pointers for getting cases let's see i want to start my firm i want to start my own firm give let's see if how good this is. give me some tips to get cases and see what the bot bot says give it time to think <laughs> yeah dude i mean this is like the interesting world of like anything's possible anything's possible absolutely i i, I cannot agree more with that especially just with the ways technology mm -hmm. have been moving but i i'm so happy to hear that you're 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 appreciating it and you're instilling it in your own thing. Even even myself here, we got Nate's Otter Pilot. Yeah. In in the Zoom call here, I, I picked it up a couple episodes ago. Ernie uh, Sevenson was on the podcast, and he had his Otter Pilot in there. And I was like, what is that? And he explained it to me. So I put it in myself, and you know, it transcribes everything. It gives key points afterwards. So it's just it's an amazing thing. It makes, it makes my life a lot easier. But um, oh, Dude, listen to this. <laughs> okay let's see let's see let's i mean this is a long answer let's see what this is starting your own firm can be an exciting and rewarding endeavor here are some pointers to help you get started one determine your area of specialization as a trial lawyer it's important to focus on a specific area of law given your expertise in personal injury law and complex spinal injury litigation Consider making that your primary focus to build a strong financial foundation. Starting a firm requires some initial investment. You mentioned having $25,000 as seed money, which is oh, well, a good out. starting point. Crazy. I mean, I could send this. This is really funny. Like it nails it. And then it goes on to having speaking engagements, conferences, consumer law groups connect with them. They can provide valuable insights, advice, to their own experiences. Remember, your own firm requires careful planning, dedication, and strong support system. With the right strategy in place, you could build a successful law pra practice. It's like six, seek guidance from experienced lawyers. Five, delegate tasks effectively. I just told you this. this is right. Make a list of the tasks you love to do and want to focus on, such as trying cases and bringing in cases. I just told you this. Uh also, delegate the rest to someone else with your firm that enjoys those tasks. Nailed it. Bob bought nailed it. <laughs> oh, man, that was good. That's, that's that's insanity, really. I mean, I'm just I'm blown away right now. I I need to get my own Nate bot, and hopefully it could it could give some whatever the he, whatever the hell I say on this podcast, we'll spit it back out, and that would yeah. be wonderful. But take that Nate autopilot. autopilot. <laughs> exactly, it, it's getting it's getting upgraded. I'm sorry, autopilot. I don't know <laughs> I don't know if he's conscious or not, but I apologize so much. Um, but we got 
we got the last three questions here. First, I have to ask, this is, this is new. It's not a new question anymore. I used to say it's a new question that I say it was weird, but now I'm just going to say it. Uh, so what are the types of things that you consume, not food, uh, consume on a daily basis, you know, on social media, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Twitter, whatever it may be, you know, who, who are some people that you follow, who you love, or, you know, what, what's crossing the transom of Robert's brain every single day? Oh, that's interesting. Nobody's ever asked me that question. I mean, the stuff that I follow, I don't watch TV. I mean, I don't have time to watch TV. I have three little girls, six, three, and one. So I don't watch a lot of TV. It's just like Disney princess movies, which I do love. Uh, <laughs> I like shit that kind of, that is quick information. Um, there's no real like accounts that I follow. I like on the legal tech stuff. A lot of the legal tech founders, when I log into LinkedIn, I get updates from a lot of those folks. Um, I'm a big fan of like Alex Sue, Matt Margolis. I love all their stuff. I always look at litigation God posts. Um, I love all his stuff. Um, God, I'm trying to think who else. Like, I, I mean, I just like content because I make so much content too. And I get inspired from other people like attorney Ryan, Ryan Steiger down in San Diego for workers' rights. I love that guy. He was on, um, he and attorney Tom were both on my bourbon approved show this week, which will come out soon. But those guys are just dominating social media. They both are like three or four year lawyers generating thousands of cases just from content on social media, um, which I could do a whole talk on that at some other time. But yeah, those are, those are probably ones I follow my wife just to, you know, keep tabs on her, I guess, follow her stories, <laughs> see what she's doing. <laughs> um, God, I don't know what else. I follow the Steelers accounts. I get all my updates on my Pittsburgh sports for sure. And I think that's it, man. I don't know. Well, listen, you gave a you gave a bunch of names that I all wrote down that I will be checking out later. Um, so that listen, you sufficiently answered the question. Uh either way, it was a great answer. And second to last question here. You're always working. You got your you got your start, you got your tech company, you got your law firm, but what does an ideal sun Sunday night or or sorry, Sunday morning or Friday night look for Robert Simon? um we every friday night it's the same at our house where all the girls we have a, like we have a gym downstairs in the basement and they go and put their princess their princess dr or dresses on and they sing and dance and do a little show they come up with a little show and it's really funny and then we usually put on whatever new movie that came out like we watched willy wonka and the new willy wonka and the old willy wonka all weekend like it was on repeat um the perfect sunday morning is always like hang out with my family, do stuff, get outdoors a little bit, then come in. And if, I mean, I love when the NFL's on because I even was watching from my phone, but it's a big thing for my brothers, my dad, and to get together to watch those and have the kids hang out. Um, but I like just doing stuff with the kids, literally them hanging out, um, playing with their friends, hearing them laugh. And just, you're literally molding these children to like, it's like creating your own AI chatbot, right? Like <laughs> creating their core memories. But they like when they start like making jokes like I would, it's like really funny shit. So <laughs> no, but that's it, man. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I think people get lost in what they think success is or it's everything's about money, but you know, those things are all free, right? So just put it in perspective. Absolutely. I I I I don't have a family. Uh, no, I do have a family, but I don't have kids or anything. Uh, <laughs> but one day I can't wait and I hope to have that same sort of excitement and uh, you know inspiration for that sort of life i mean i love it so much and i and i can't wait I, so great answer again i, I can't complain about that <laughs>
Now, final, final question here. I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom for the aspiring law students, the current law students, and the legal professionals out there in the world? That you can actually wake up every day like I do with a smile on your face and love what you do and be inspired, inspired by the people around you. And you will, have, you will meet the most inspiring, creative people ever just by being in the mix. Look, there's a lot of terrible people in the industry. It's like that in any industry, but you surround yourself with the right, the right folks. And all, like all my best friends are lawyers. Like we travel together with all these other trial lawyers and it's literally the best times of my life, the best memories. They have the best foundation and they understand it. Everybody gets it. Like if I'm in a trial, you don't see me for six weeks sometimes, right? It is what it is, but that's, that's just the lifestyle that you choose. You choose. And, um, and I also want to tell everybody that's listening, bet on yourself. There's no better investment. Screw the stock market, anything else, put money in you. And especially if you want to start your own firm, people like me and others can show you how to do it and you can accelerate it these days. And, especially with technology and these products and really hit the ground running and use that altruistic thing. If we all went to law school to change the world or do something, never lose sight of that. Don't go work for big law and put on those golden handcuffs and can't take them off. It's not just about the money. Put it in perspective. Robert, absolutely beautifully said. And that's the podcast. Thank you so, so much for doing this, Robert. It was absolutely amazing. And for everyone out there listening, Thank you for tuning in. I will see you in the next one.